It is always a blessing to be in the Lord's house around this season as we just sing those familiar songs and get to hear them played and through choir and guitars and worship. Um, I love every moment of it. As we continue in our, in our series this Christmas, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to, again, Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be kind of continuing on in uh, the birth announcement of Jesus that we find in Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 8 and read through to verse 20. And if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. And the Word of God says this, it says, In that same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into the heavens, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement that had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Please be seated. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and King, we come before you now, Lord, and we do praise you for the the glory of the birth announcement, Lord, and the message that we have through this birth announcement. Lord, we are reminded in our passage today that that you sent your one and only son for not just the, the rich and the wealthy, not just the high ups and the important people, not to the religious elite, but you sent your son to be a savior to the lowly. And Lord, that you sent your son to to come and redeem a people to himself that would come from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people out there. That indeed you sent your son to save the world. And so, God, for that, we give you all the glory and all the praise. And Lord, I pray that as we look at the the birth announcement of Jesus and the shepherds that were there to receive it, God, I pray that you would just reveal your heart to us this morning. Lord, that even now, through the power of your Spirit, that you are preparing us to hear the message. And Lord, that we will be transformed by all that you are doing. God, we thank you for these things. And Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The life of an American cowboy has been glamorized in the last de- last century, really, thanks to books and films and television since the 1920s and going all the way through even to today. We associate many, many names with the genre of the American Western, 
We think of people like John Wayne and Gene Autry, Clint Eastwood and Kevin Costner. Almost everyone in the room and certainly every guy in the room can think of a book or film or television show that was a Western that they absolutely loved. Whether you think of Rio Bravo, True Grit, Tombstone, Young Guns, The Virginian, Gunsmoke, Bonanza, and now Yellowstone, all of us can think of something that has entertained us about the mystery and character of the American cowboy. Who here remembers some Western, whether a book or a movie or a television show from their childhood or even today that you love? Almost everybody in the room. In reality, the days of the cowboy were very different than what we see depicted on the silver screen or what we read about in books. Most cowboys were young men with very little skills and very little hope for a future who took on the job because they needed to find some way to make money. Most cowboys were more proficient with a rope than they ever were with a gun. They worked long hours in grueling conditions for very little pay. There was no such thing as that mysterious loner who came into town because life out in the West was very dangerous. Most of them were part of a, a group of people working for some wealthy rancher on a, on a large type of place, driving them from Texas up to places like Dodge City, Kansas, where they would be put on rails and sent to slaughter. The cows, not the cowboys, excuse me. Almost everything they owned was owned by their, almost everything they had was owned by their boss. And they often made just enough money in order to live. Much like the American cowboy, the shepherd that we read about in the Bible seems to be glamorized in the church, especially around the Christmas season. We often depict shepherds as clean, polite, even godly men who are just taking care of livestock. They seem to have a soft hand and a soft voice. Scores of religious paintings show shepherds as well as Jesus himself as calm, caring, gentle people who just love to walk around their sheep in a big circle through perfect manicured pastures and beautiful countrysides with beautiful, clear, bubbling streams. But this domestication of the perception of shepherds in the Bible really lessens the significance of what is happening in Luke chapter 2. The fact that the angels came to shepherds who were watching over their flocks by night is actually very significant in the message that they would deliver. See, God could have announced the birth of Jesus to anyone. He could have gone back to the temple like he did with Zechariah and gave the birth announcement to the priests and to all of those who were outside. God could have given the birth announcement to just straight directly to these magi who could have come in and made the declaration with all of the pomp of their of their gold and frankincense and myrrh. God could have made this birth announcement to the king that was over Jerusalem at that time who was King Herod or even gone straight to Rome himself, looked Caesar's square in the eye with an angel and told him that the one true king of kings and lord of lords had arrived. But he didn't do any of that. The birth announcement went to these lowly shepherds in Bethlehem. 
And I truly believe that God is telling us something through this account. So let's think for a moment about what shepherds were really like in biblical times. Much like historical cowboys, shepherds in the Bible were known for being, for working long hours, tough days, out in the wilderness, out in the open country. They were required to lead their flocks to places in order to eat, as well as safe places to drink. See, sheep were not too smart. When the Bible often refers to us as sheep and the Lord as our shepherd, that is not a compliment to us and our intelligence or appearance. The Lord is telling us that compared to Him, we're not so bright. And if we aren't taken to places that have good, healthy, green grass, then we will, then the sheep would eat bad things that would hurt them. If they were not taken by still waters, then they could find themselves drowning or, or drinking something that would ultimately poison them. And if we're honest, when we look at our lives, we do the same thing. They were constantly on alert for threats. They were constantly working. They, they would be from sun up and sun down. And even as we see in our passage today, the shepherds were even out at night continuing their work long past the time that most people would have gone to bed. Believe it or not, shepherds were often viewed unfavorably in the Scriptures. As much as we have so many good accounts, we also can find many that kind of talked about the character and the na- nature of shepherds. In Genesis chapter 46, we find uh, Joseph when he has been reunited with his brothers. And his father goes to present himself to Pharaoh and he says these words, Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and I will say to him, My brothers in my father's household who are in the land of Canaan have come to me and the men are shepherds for they have been keepers of livestock and they brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. When Pharaoh calls and says, what is your occupation? You shall say your servant has been keepers of livestock from our youth even until now, both we and our fathers. That, they, that you may live in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is loathsome to the Egyptians. Going forward, even into Exodus and in the, um, the uh, accounts of Moses after he had run away from Pharaoh and run away from Egypt, we find this in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Now the priests of Midian... The priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and fill the troughs of water for for their father's flock. Then the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Ruel, who we also know as Jethro, their father, he said, why have you come back so soon today? So they said, an Egyptian delivered us from the hand of the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew the water for us and watered the flock. When we look at Scripture and and not kind of the poetic prophecies and and songs of of the Bible that's comparing God to a shepherd, we see that, that shepherds were actually rough people. And very territorial, and often you see conflict among shepherds like with Abraham and Lot, and, and they tended to do not nice things. They were viewed as unclean, they were viewed as loathsome, they were troublemakers, they they had an unsavory task and and really, quite frankly, a stinky job. And as we see from from the account in Moses' time that when these ladies went to take care of their flocks, that the the shepherds came in and and roughed them up and tried to chase them away in order to, to keep the well solely for themselves. 
And yet, these are the people that Jesus made the birth announcement to. Now, make no mistake, uh, shepherds were not all bad. On the contrary, that there were many qualities about a shepherd that God even used to communicate who he was. We've talked about that a little bit already. Most famously, we would look to the 23rd Psalm that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul and he guides me to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. We can look at a passage like the first part of the 23rd Psalm and recognize that God is a provider. That he provided for them food and water and even guidance, putting them in, in good places where they would be, be able to thrive and do well. God used the, the example of a shepherd to say, listen, I am a provider much like a shepherd is a provider of his livestock. We can go further and look at the prophet Ezekiel and we actually see references to God as a shepherd several places in the prophets. In Ezekiel chapter 34, we read this. It says, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, I will care for my sheep and I will deliver them from all of the places with which they were scattered and on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountain of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in good pasture and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pastures on the mountain of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. Here we again see God communicating who he is through the person of a shepherd and what a shepherd does. And in this passage, we see a little bit more. Most most certainly he is a provider still. There is much in this passage about them having uh, good water and, and, and rich pasture and, and they're going to be able to thrive. But also in this passage, we see that God is a protector, that he is a deliverer, that he is a healer, that he is going to do all of those things. And then even at the very end, he kind of mentions, oh, I'm also a butcher. And for those of those, for those that have been a little too well taken care of, those who have taken care of themselves over taking care of others, I will deal with them. So we need to take a step back and we need to think about why God chose shepherds to give the birth announcement. See, this is the funny thing. See, shepherds were viewed upon in the culture of this time going all the way back to the days of the Exodus as low class, rough around the edges, uneducated, unclean people. They were almost like a necessary evil. They needed the sheep, they needed the wool, they needed everything, they needed the meat, they needed everything that, that sheep provided. And even though sheep were these dumb, dirty, um, um, kind of a pain type of animal, if they were taken care of, it was very good for Israel as a whole. And therefore, they needed shepherds, but they didn't really like shepherds. 
It was not an important job. It was not one that was viewed upon, even though they had so much scripture kind of talking positively about um, shepherds. We still see them kind of viewed as the people over there. Yet God refers to himself as a shepherd because he takes care of us just like one of these men would take care of their sheep. It shouldn't come as a surprise to us that so often the way we perceive people is not the same way God does. And so often we might look at people as being unimportant. We might look at people as being um, rough around the edges. Maybe too simple to, to really understand things. And because of our perception of people, we tend to kind of push them aside. We place them over there in the fields. But when we look at Scripture, we see that God looks at these people very differently. And He sees something in them that often we don't see. And He sees value in them that we don't always see. And it's so important for us to prayerfully seek to see the world the way the, the, way the Lord sees it. I was reminded of what we recently learned from the book of James just a few weeks back. And it says it says this in James chapter two. Have you not made distinctions among yourself and become judges with evil motives? Listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God, which he promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. And is it not the rich man who oppresses you and personally drags you into court? Did they not blaspheme the fair name by which you have been called? Now we have to admit to a degree we even see the truth of this passage in the birth accounts. If you remember back when the priest who went in to burn incense, Zechariah, went in to do that thing and he was told of the birth announcement and that he was going to have a son, John the Baptist, and that that son would pave the way for the Messiah, he's like, well, how can I know for certain? In the same sense, when, when the Magi appeared before King Herod and they said, where is he who's been born King of the Jews? For we have saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. It said that all of Jerusalem was not rejoicing, was not excited, was not happy, but all of Jerusalem was troubled. It bothered them. It created anxiety and fear. Maybe because they didn't know what Herod was going to do but certainly because it meant that something was about to change. But what do we see the shepherds do? When the shepherds are met by this angel and they see the heavenly host, just like Zechariah, just like Mary, they, they're troubled and, and they're, they're fearful and the angel has to say, do not be afraid. But when the shepherds hear the news that the, that the Savior, that the Messiah, Jesus Christ is born, what do they do? Do they question Him? No. Do they get upset? No. What do they do? They say, let's go see. Let us go see what we have been told. Let's go find the baby. Let's, let's, you know what? The sheep are going to be here when we get back. If we need to round them up, we'll round them up. Let's go see this child. See, it was the poor, the outcast, the lowly, the unimportant shepherd that exercised more faith 
and more trust in the angelic announcement than kings and priests and all the like. Now that's something for us to think about. Jesus had some words about shepherds too. And I think that, and and I almost have to wonder if as Jesus said these words, if he did not have those shepherds that were there on the day that he was born in his mind. In John chapter 10, we read this. He says, I am, this is Jesus speaking, I am the good shepherd. Now, I have to admit, uh, this is a claim, just that alone makes us want to stop and give pause. Because I, I don't know what the reaction of the people would have been. Because here you have Jesus. He's made a name for himself by this point. He is very popular among a lot of the people. He is very unpopular by this point by a lot of the Pharisees and the religious elite. And then he says this statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now, I don't know how they would have responded to this because I don't know if some of them would have said, well, golly, Jesus, you know, you're, you're a rabbi. You've got some weight to what you say. You're kind of important. I don't think I would, I don't think I would associate myself with shepherds. You know what? Shouldn't you say like, I am the great teacher? I am the great communicator. I am the, the, I am the, the great preacher. Not shepherd. But then again, they may have also looked at that and recognized like, you know, God called himself a shepherd quite a bit. We just read in Ezekiel how God said that he would shepherd his people and he would bring them back. And they may also be going like, uh, Jesus, that sounds a little bit like you're kind of putting yourself in God's shoes. And you might want to watch that. The Pharisees are over there. And you know how they like to kind of twist things. Let me go on. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he is not the owner of the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. And I know my own and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, which are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I receive from my father. So Jesus brings us back to this connection between God and the shepherd. But as we've already heard about how Jesus is, or excuse me, how God is a provider, How God is one that is going to gather his people back together. That God is going to be one that defends his people and protects his people and and, and brings them into safety and security and, and, and kind of rescues them out of the perils that they're in. Jesus presents the role of a shepherd in a very, very different way when he says, I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. 
Now, all those other things were true too. But Jesus wanted the people to know that the, the characteristic about a shepherd that he was going to demonstrate in a magnificent and powerful way was that he was about to lay down his life. That he was willing to die for the safety and the salvation of his sheep. And that is exactly what he did. Jesus said these words knowing full well that his destiny led him to a cross. And he wasn't going to be nailed to a cross because the Jews hated him. He wasn't going to be nailed to a cross because the Romans held him up there. He wasn't going to be nailed to a cross because that's just the way things were done back then. But Jesus tells us in our passage that he was going to the cross because he made that choice. And why did he make that choice? Because he loves the sheep. And because they are his. And they are worth it. See, a shepherd gets that. And a shepherd understands that those things are important, that, the, that, that there is so much that riding on and so much value in those sheep, those, those dumb, stupid animals, that they have value to the shepherd and that they are willing to take that risk. Perhaps there is no other group on earth that could understand the birth announcement better than these shepherds watching over their flock by night because they understood that the Savior would have to be open to paying the ultimate sacrifice. Let's look back on what the angels said. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This Savior would be the one who would lay down his life like a shepherd to save not only kings, but also lowly shepherds and also you. A lot of times, we can, because of one reason or another, we can start to feel like those shepherds, that we're just put out to pasture. And that because we don't have some sort of value that, that the world thinks that should place on us, and, and we might feel forgotten about, we might feel discarded, maybe it's because of something we've done, maybe it's because we're young, maybe it's because we're old, maybe it's because we don't have a job or a paycheck or, or any sort of prestige that we think we should have, and so we feel like we are those shepherds off in the field. Well, the good news about the birth of Jesus is for you. And the good news of great joy about a Savior who is Christ the Lord is for you. And the question for you today is, will you hear it? Will you believe it? And will you respond like the shepherds do that say, let us go see for ourselves? Jesus in, in John chapter 10 uh, said it this way, and I, I love how he said it. He said, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. For even as the father knows me, I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock with one shepherd. My question for you today is, will you hear his voice? Because Jesus is calling you into a relationship with you today. Jesus is coming to you with good news of great joy that Jesus came and He laid down His life to be the Savior, not just of all the people, which is certainly true, but of you. And if you will hear His voice, believe and follow Him, that you will be a part of His flock that you will be saved from your sin and that you will be with Him throughout all eternity. Will you respond to this call? Will you follow the shepherd? Let us pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank You so much that You brought this good message to the shepherds. And Lord, as we look at at, at your word and we look at all that you say and all that you have said about what it means to be a shepherd, Lord, we are reminded that the good news of great joy was that a Savior had come to lay down his life. That that Savior is Jesus and he laid down his life on Calvary and that he died, but he not only laid down his life, but he took it up again when he rose again three days later. Father God, even now I know that that Your call is going out, that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is calling people into Your flock. God, I pray that we will believe this good news of great joy, that we will put our hope and faith in this Savior who is Jesus Christ the Lord. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here would respond the way the shepherds respond and say, let's go see. Let's go and experience this. Let's recognize that everything the angels have told us tonight is true. And that God, through faith, we would leave this place rejoicing and proclaiming the good news because we who were once far off, outcast in the fields, have heard the good news And have been brought into the family of God. Lord, we praise you. That you sent your son for us. That you sent your son for the lowly. And you delivered that message through those very people. God, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.